just give you a little background on, on what we're going to be talking about this morning. We're going to be talking about the, the Gospel of John and, and, and more particular, uh, the Gospel from John's perspective. Um, you know, John didn't just happen up on the crucifixion one day or he didn't just come up on an accident one day and just say that, you know, he was a witness. You know, he's a witness to an accident or a witness to the crucifixion. John was one of the disciples that did life with Jesus. He ate with Jesus. He slept with Jesus. They slept. They, they lived together. They lived in the same house together. Uh, you know, Peter, James, and John, the, all of the disciples, they traveled together. They were on the road together. And so uh, well, I want to just, I want us to look at John's testimony. And we have Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which are called the Synoptic Gospels. And in many ways, they, they're, they're very similar. I mean, they talk about Matthew and Luke, talk about the birth of Jesus, uh, a lot of the parables that are in some of those, uh, those Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, are there. But many of those things are left out of, God, of John's Gospel. And, and John's just kind of like telling it from his perspective. But let me just begin. I don't want to begin in, in, uh, in the Gospel of John. I want to begin in 1 John. And uh, I, I want to just pick up with uh, the... Um, 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And John is saying, that which was from the beginning. And it's interesting because he starts out, remember the gospel of John, he starts it out the same way. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it's very similar to how Genesis starts out. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So John starts here, and he says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. And John is just talking about his relationship with Jesus. You know, this isn't hearsay from John's perspective. He said, what, what he's saying is that we lived with him. We lived with Jesus, and we have heard him, and we have seen him with our eyes, and we have looked at him, and our hands have touched him. And this we proclaim concerning the word of life. And so I want to just kind of pick up in, in Matthew's gospel. Uh, this is the call of the disciples. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother uh, Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And you'll remember that Jesus gave them the names, the sons of thunder. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets, and Jesus called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. And, I, you know, just got to think about this for a moment. They had it. They had it all. They were going to inherit the father's business. They had a thriving fishing business. They, you know, the father owned the boats. They, I mean, they were, they were going to be well off. And they hear this words, and Ralph and I were talking about this yesterday, but there was something in the air. There was something, uh, you know, just uh, electric. You know, the, just the air was filled, I believe, with the presence. The atmosphere was filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit uh, that caused them to respond. Jesus said, follow me. 
And uh, I don't know, the Bible doesn't, doesn't state or why or if they knew anything about Jesus. Had they heard about Jesus before? Did he have a reputation before? We know in Matthew chapter 3, Jesus is baptized in Matthew chapter 4. He goes into the wilderness uh, for the 40 days and he's tempted by the devil for the 40 days, overcomes those temptations. And then in Matthew chapter 5, he starts calling his disciples. So it's, it appears that this is at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry that Jesus Jesus calls the disciples, uh, no record really of, of him doing miracles or anything else, but there was something in his voice that compelled them to drop their nets, to drop the business, to forget all of that, and to follow Jesus. And so, and so when they heard, remember we said that um, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, he was there that day. That when Jesus called him, he heard the voice of God, and he responded. He gets up, they drop their nets, and they follow Jesus. Then look at this next example here. It says, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up to the high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. And there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. So John is saying, I was there then. I was there at that moment too when Jesus went up on the mountain and he was transfigured there. And we saw Jesus and we saw uh, you know, Moses and uh, Elijah as well. And then uh, again, we, we read in Mark chapter 5. I just want to, I'm going to kind of go through these quickly. And then uh, there, there's a point that I want to make. But I, I just want to, to share with you this morning why we can trust the words of John. Why, you know, why John's words are, 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 are vital words. They're important words for us to embrace. I mean, this is someone that lived with Jesus, that did life with Jesus. And, and then he was there when um, this man comes up, the, uh, the synagogue leader comes up, and he says uh, uh, the um, uh, friend of the teacher comes up, the synagogue teacher, and he says, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. And he did not let anyone follow him except, listen to this, Peter and James and John, the brother of James. Okay, you see, you've got these three men, Peter, James, and John. And he just kind of just keeps going over it. This is called, the, out of the 12 disciples, this is called Jesus' inner circle. These were the three that he was closest with, that, you know, that he, he just did things with and just kind of brought them to the forefront of the ministry. And when they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. And he went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. And they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples that were with him, that's Peter, James, and John, and he went where the child was, and he took her by the hand and said to her, uh, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and walked around, and she was 12 years old. And John is saying, you know, I was there then. I, I heard the call of Jesus, and, and we, I, I was there when, when, when this synagogue ruler came, said his little girl was sick, and then someone shows up and says, no, don't bother the master, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your little girl is dead. And, and John is saying, I was there. I was there. I have seen and I have heard 
and uh, our eyes have seen and we have looked at and our hands have touched. And this we proclaim to you, the word of life. And then we read again in, in Mark chapter 13. It says, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, Opposite the temple, this is when the disciples asked him when the end of the age was going to be and what that was going to look like. And Peter, notice Peter, James, and John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us when these things will happen and what will be the signs that they are about to be fulfilled. And then we read again in Mark chapter 14, they went to the place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter and James and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. And, and I believe that, that John was probably just in earshot, hearing, you know, Jesus, just this wailing, just this, you know, this, uh, this, the, this travail in prayer that he knows that he is just hours away from uh, his arrest and his trial and his crucifixion, knowing that he was just, uh, just you know, hours away from that. And John is listening, I believe, to these words of Jesus. And then we read in John chapter 12, he says, Now is my heart troubled, and this is the night before. What shall I say? The night before his crucifixion and arrest. Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven. And, and remember what John said, and he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard and which we have seen with our eyes and which we have looked at and our hands have touched. And, and John says, and we heard this voice coming from heaven saying, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. And the crowd that was there and heard it said that it thundered and others said that an angel spoke to him. And Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not for mine. Now notice that you know, there, there are three different opinions on what the voice said. Some people said that it thundered, and other people said that an angel just spoke. But John said, we recognize that as the voice of God the Father speaking from heaven, saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And, you know, he says that I have glorified, my glorified your name, and I will glorify it again. And then John chapter 13, he says, after this, he said, uh, or after he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. And his disciples stared at one another uh, at a loss to know which of them he meant. And one of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, and this is how John refers to himself, kind of in the third person, never you know, says that I'm John the disciple, the great disciple, the great apostle. He just simply says that I am the disciple that the Lord loved. Of course, he loved them all, just like he loves us today. Uh, and one of them, uh, the disciple whom the, uh, Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. And Simon Peter, now watch this, Simon Peter motions to this disciple and said, ask him, ask him which one he means. You know, I was just like, you know, that he had that kind of relationship, that John had that kind of relationship. And Peter's saying, ask him, find out which one he means. And, um, and leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. And as soon as Jesus took the bread, Satan entered into him. And it, there was just like no turning back at that point. 
And then in John chapter 18, John, you know, John is saying, I was there. I was there at that moment when Satan entered into Jesus and when, uh, when Satan entered into Judas and that Judas walked out to betray, to betray the Messiah, this King of kings and Lord of lords. John was saying, I was right there at the table, and Jesus told me the one that, that, you know, that I will give this, uh, this, this sup to, this piece of bread that I want, the one that I pass it on to is the one that's going to betray me. And John is saying, I was there. I was there at that evening, and that's why we can trust his words. And John chapter 18 says, Then in the detachment of soldiers, with his commander and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus, and they bound him and brought him to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas, Caiaphas was the one who prophesied, or Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it would be good if one man died for the people. And Simon Peter and another disciple, speaking about John, were following Jesus. And because this disciple, John, was known to the high priest. His family was well acquainted with the high priest. He went in with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard, but Peter had to wait outside at the door. And the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back and spoke to the girl on duty there and brought Peter in. It was John that was able to talk to the high priest, to the servant uh, girl, and say, hey, let Peter in. He's my friend. Let him into the courtyard here. And then she says... Uh, you are not one of his disciples, are you? The girl at the door asked Peter, and he replied, I am not. And see, see, John was there when Jesus said to Peter, you know, before the cock crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. And, and, and again, I believe that, that John was within earshot of Peter saying, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. This is why we can believe that John's words are credible. John lived it. He saw it. He says that, again, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, or our hands have handled. And then, in John chapter 19, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife, the wife of Clophas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing by, speaking about John, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, he says, Here is your mother. And from that time on, the disciple took her into his home. And see, and John is saying that and I don't think there's any other indication that there were any other disciples at the cross. All of the disciples had scattered. But John was there. And Jesus is hanging on the cross and looking down and saying, Son, he says, John, this is your mother. And mother, this is your son. And John's saying, I, I was there. I was there then. And then we read that early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, speaking about John. This is the way that he identified himself again. They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. And so Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running. Notice how John is careful to lay this out right here, that he's faster than Peter. 
But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And he bent over and looked in the, and, uh, and saw the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. And finally, Simon Peter, the slow one, shows up. And Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. And he saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. And the cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. And finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. Now listen to this. Here comes transition. This is transformation in John's life. It says, and he saw. This is after three and a half years of being with Jesus. He saw and he believed. He saw and he believed. And then we read in John chapter 21, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. And he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. That's the Lord. It's the Lord. That's the Lord right there on the bank. And as soon as Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. And it says, if you go on to read the rest of it, he swims about 100 yards to shore. Now watch this. Now John's saying, and we've got this book, and he just he says, he just right here in this one verse, he, he makes a statement of why he's written the book. And, and I, what you need to know at this time, that uh, the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, and Luke have already been written. And, and most of the New Testament books have already been written. And, and many theologians believe even the book of Revelation has been written by this time. And the disciples, Peter, has already been put to death. And Paul has already been put to death. And James and many of the other disciples have already been put to death when, when John writes the Gospel of John. And he makes all of these statements in the book. And, and we're going to cover some of them uh, today and some uh, in uh, the next few weeks. But listen to this. He, he gives the purpose of writing this book in John chapter 20, verse 30. It says that Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his, of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. Notice this. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. There's three that's in this, in this passage right here. Three that's. He says... Uh, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Son, or Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Let's just kind of break them down before we wrap this up. He says that you may believe. Uh, and John's gospel carries these seven signs. There are seven signs in the gospel of John. And I've kind of got them laid out there. You can go back and, and look at them later on, and we'll talk about them in, in uh, the near future. But the seven signs were he, he changes the water and the wine. And then that's in John chapter 2. In John chapter 4, he heals the royal official's uh, son. 
you know, I mean, these are incredible signs because changing the water into wine, he did, you know, just in a moment what would take nature a period of months, taking the, the rain, watering the vine, causing the grapes to grow, uh, transformation of the, the, the grape, or the water into the grape juice. And Jesus, just in a moment, fills, uh, tells the servants to fill up the, uh, the vessels and it's immediately it's wine. The healing of the royal official's uh, son, um, and you'll remember this, that, you know, this is the man, I believe, that came to Jesus and said, you know what, I don't, I don't even need you to come into my house. Just say in a word, just say in a word, and my son will be better. And so he shows that he is Lord over distance, that distance, it makes no difference to him. And then healing the uh, paralytic uh, in uh, Bethesda, John chapter 5, I think it said he had been this way for 30 some odd years. And so he demonstrates that he is Lord over time in this one. doesn't make any difference how long you've been in this situation, that Jesus is Lord over time. Uh, he's Lord over the, uh, over the multitude, feeding of the 5,000. He's Lord over gravity, walking upon the water. He's uh, Lord over uh, healing the blind man in chapter 9. These are all incredible signs. And uh, Lord over uh, life and death, raising Lazarus from the tomb in John chapter 11. And then, uh, and, and, and just right there before that passage of Scripture that we just read uh, is, um, well, let me just read John chapter 10. Uh, it says, uh, he says, that you, that you may believe. And, and all of these signs, keep in mind that the signs were never the end in themselves. It wasn't that you came to the sign, and I know a lot of people did it then, and, and, and we try to do that sometimes today. We try to camp by the miracle. And Jesus is saying that all of these miracles were simply just pointing to me. He said that, you know, you search the Scriptures because you believe that in them or through them you have eternal life. He says, but the Scriptures testify of me. And, you know, but they just couldn't get there. They were looking for a Messiah. They were looking for someone that would come and break Rome's power and that would establish a new earthly realm and a, a, a rule and a reign. And they just could not see that Jesus was this person. But he goes on to say about the signs in John chapter 10, he says, do not believe me unless I do what my Father does. But if I do it, even though you do not believe me, believe the miracles. He said, if you can't get your mind around that I'm the Messiah, look at the miracles because the miracles are pointing to me. Believe the miracles that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and that I am in the Father. He said, I know that it's hard for you to get your mind around this. You can't understand it, that I am the Messiah. I'm the one that I proclaim to be. But just simply look at the miracles because the miracles, this is what John is saying, these miracles, these signs are pointing to Jesus, that only Jesus could be the Messiah. You'll remember the story, I think it's in Mark's Gospel, in, in Mark's gospel, there was a paralytic man that his friends are bringing him to Jesus, and they couldn't get to Jesus because of the crowds. And so they start dismantling the roof, and they let this guy down on a cot or a pallet, and Jesus seeing this, all the dust and tearing up the house and everything. And, uh, you know, Jesus looks up, and he says, Son, your sins are forgiven. And they're like, you know, you're crazy. Who can forgive sins? You know, look at this guy. This is blasphemy. You know, you're saying your sins are forgiven. They're saying, they were saying that no one can forgive sins except God alone. 
No one can forgive sins except for God alone. And Jesus, knowing what they were thinking, said to them, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or rise up and take your cot and be whole. And he said that you may know that the Son of Man has the power to forgive sins. He tells the man, pick up your mat and, and, and be healed. And, you know, it's just like they just got through saying, you know, only God can forgive sins. And this guy is now healed, and they still can't connect the dot. That only God can forgive sins. And this man, Jesus, just forgave this man his sins and healed him and sent him on his way. So the signs are given that you may believe, number two, what we believe. You know, it's important that we know what we believe, that Jesus is the Christ. Another way to translate that is that Jesus is the anointed one or that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. Um, you know, I, there are many religions that try to put Jesus in this category of all of the great teachers and all of the great preachers and all of the great men that have ever walked the face of the earth. But, you know, John is saying that he is more than a good teacher, that he is more than a gentle, good, kind person. John is saying he is God. And if he is God, you know, I mean, if he's not, if he's not God then, you know, he should be reviled and crucified. But if he is God, then he, des he, he deserves our highest praise and our greatest and deepest worship. Do we understand that? Do we understand that? Okay. All right. Good, good, good. All right. A week later... The disciples were in the house, and, you know, the, all of the disciples, except for Thomas, Ju Judas is dead by now. He's uh, committed suicide. He's hung himself. Thomas was not there. A week later, his disciples were in the house, and Thomas was with them. And through the, although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And Thomas said, he said to Thomas, Now, remember the disciples told Thomas, We've seen the Lord. And he said, I, You know, I don't care what you've seen. And less unless I see him and put my hand in his hand and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. And Jesus said to him, he, Jesus shows up, this is the second time. He says, peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, Thomas, put your finger here in my hand and reach out your hand and put it in my side and stop doubting and believe. And Thomas, John, and John is saying, I was there. I was there when all of this went down. I was there when all of this happened. I was in the house when Thomas denied Jesus, and I was back in the house when Jesus shows up, and Thomas is there again. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. And this is the revelation. It was just, just like John's revelation, going into the tomb and seeing the clothes uh, you know, folded up, and, and it says that John looked in and walked in, and it says that John believed. And this is Thomas's moment right now. He's not a believer. I mean, he's a follower. He's been following Christ, but he is not a believer until this moment. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God, and Jesus told him, because, and notice how he brings, brings all of us in it today. He says, because you have seen me and you have believed, Blessed are those, that's us here today, who have not seen and yet we believe. 
And then we read in John chapter 5, and, uh, and, and you know, we, well, back to this statement that John made in John chapter 20. He says that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Now, John, no, Thomas just got through saying that uh, my Lord and my God. And, uh, and, then, and then John goes on to record that unless you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So is that a, a lesser form of uh, a, a position for Christ? No, it's not. Let me just kind of explain this to you. So I think it's just our understanding of, of how we understand that word to translate the Son of God, how the Son of God translates. And I think this next passage of Scripture will help you uh, to see that. John chapter 5, it says, Jesus said to them, My Father is always at work to this very day, and I am working. It says, For this reason, listen, for this reason the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making him equal with God. And so when he is called to, or referred to as the son of God, it's just another way of saying it. And when he referred to himself as the son of God to the religious leaders, they knew exactly what he was saying. They're saying, you're making yourself equal with God by saying that God is your father. And so, so we need to understand who it is, not just a good person, not just a, a kind teacher. We are worshiping you know, Jesus, the Son of the living God, the part of the Trinity, uh, the second part of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then we read in Mark chapter 2, it says, uh, why does this, uh, well, no, I've already covered that, and uh, let's move on to our third point. And then he says, this, this is the reason, he says, this is the reason that I've written the book. You know, number one, that you may believe, Number two, that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of Christ or is the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Son of God, and that believing, in believing, and this is John just kind of wrapping it up here, he says that in believing this, that you will have life. And from Ephesians, what does that mean? You know, what does that mean to us today? Well, it means this. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul ex explaining this to the church at Ephesus, he says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead. And see, this is what you need to understand, that you were born separated from God. You were born an enemy of God. And that's why Jesus told Nicodemus, remember in John chapter 3, unless you're born again, unless you come alive, unless you are, you know, touched by the Spirit of God, unless you become alive, that you will die in your trespasses and sin. And he goes on to say, it is by grace that you have been saved. And then we read in John chapter, 1 John chapter uh, 5, verses 11 and 12. Now listen to this carefully. It says, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. That's what Jesus said, that I've come that you may believe that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that the Messiah, and that in believing that you would have life. And John's testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son of God has not life, does not have eternal life. All right, so I'm going to ask you this morning, you got life. Do you have life? Do you have the Son of God?
Have you believed John's testimony? But these things were written. John said, I've written these things. The purpose of this book is that you may believe and that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing that, you would have eternal life. And I just want to give you an opportunity just with every, you know, just head bowed and eyes closed this morning. I just want to ask you, you know, maybe you've never made this connection, but this is John's testimony. This is the disciple that Jesus loved. This is, this, these are John's words and his own words saying that I was there, I was there, I was there. This is the Son of God. This is the Messiah. This is the one who died on the cross for our sins. And John uh, goes on to say, and, and Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that after the resurrection, not only did Jesus appear to John and the, the other disciples, but he appeared to over 500 people and Paul says many of those people are still alive. Ask them about the resurrection of Jesus Christ.